My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me for episode 300 as podcast producer is Ryan Buds, the new kid on the block. Whoa, number 300. Yes. You made it. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. How do you feel about 300 in the can? Uh, I, f- I feel tired, Ryan. We record these in the bathroom. That's Yes, I right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Maybe after 300, we'll get out of the bathroom. There we go. That would be good. Out of the bathroom and onto the page. There. <laughs> new song. There yeah, we go. Woo-hoo. New song. New slugger. We have a guest with us. That was on episode number two. Did you know that, Matt? I was supposed to be episode number one. <laughs> Do you remember? I think I forgot. <laughs> well, you you forgot. I forgot to tell you. Then I told Chip. Right. And then, but Chip was drinking that night. He and was so he so forgot. Hungover. So I had to wake him up in the morning and right. say, hey, we're doing a podcast, which pretty much speaks to the success of those early yeah. episodes. Yeah, exactly. Right. That was great. They though. were. Chip's, Chip's podcast is one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. okay, okay. But you were you were episode number two hundred. That's right. I mean number two. two yeah, sorry, number two. number two. And here we are at episode three hundred. So we're talking like five years ago. Yeah. And the reason I brought you on was not only because I thought it would be fun to bring in people from way back when, but at the time I said I introduced you as my favorite writer. Right. And. 298 podcasts later, <laughs> I'm still introducing you as my favorite you writer. You are awesome. You're Thank you. really, yeah. really good. Uh, for anybody who has taken my first draft class and my Coffee Break screenwriter class, which at this point is a lot of people. And Ryan, you've taken the Coffee Break screenwriter That's class. That's right. Yeah, I got a lot out of it. Um, those pages that I read at the end, they're about uh, this girl going down a creepy hospital hallway, yeah. and at the end, right, she hears her mother's voice, and then this, the 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 wrist is slit and stitched. That one? That <laughs> yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are Matt's pages, oh, and man. I show those pages as an example of a really beautifully crafted page that does all the genre things it's supposed to do, and is a great read. Okay. That's how much I like your stuff, Matt. Thank you very much. That's it. You Um, always make me feel good. (laughs) So I wanted you on this podcast because we're not only going to talk about what's what's you know, I don't know what's been happening, but but to go into sort of what's next, right? And I have something that's next that's tied in with your writing, and we're going to talk about that in a moment because we don't always just want to reach back into the past with these things. We want to sort of say and and what. 300 yeah. podcasts, and then what? So we're going to talk about that in a second. But before we get there, yes. I wanted to share some of the um, <laughs> some of the suggestions from people on Facebook about what we should do for number 300. Awesome. Because they were actually great suggestions, and I would like to do all of them, almost. Uh, Russ McGarry wrote, more Russ McGarry. He would like r- more Russ McGarry <laughs> on the show, and he was a guest of mine, and there will be more Russ McGarry. Grant Gladish wrote, wrote examples of breaking the rules and it all working out, which I think is really good. We should absolutely do that, and we should talk about that all the time, actually. Mike Brennan wrote, review the structure of the 2006 Gerard Butler movie, 300. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, (laughs) Jason A. Wallace wrote successful films, Breaking the Three Act Structures and Why They Work. Hmm. uh, Yukimura Doi wrote, How about a discussion on the structure of foreign film in comparison of Hollywood film? Which I will leave to someone much smarter than (laughs) I. Afraid you got the wrong guest. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong guest, wrong host. I've been watching a lot of Bergman films (laughs) and I still can't figure it out. But you know what? I think that would be good to have somebody on who also who sort of compares. He he mentioned comparing the original uh, Departed. Um, mm. You know, stuff like that would, yeah. be, would be great. So we should do that with somebody who actually knows what the hell they're talking about. Uh, Johnny Baggio, hey Johnny, I know him. He wrote, 
a game of quarters with Bob Cosberg or the guest of my choice. <laughs> you know Bob Cosberg. I work near Bob Cosberg. <laughs> I see him every day. How do you think he'd do in, in quarters? I think he would suck at quarters. Do you think? I really do. I so think you're he could beat you in beer pong. Oh, really? All right. Be, uh, okay. Yeah. I got some Bob Cosberg stories. I imagine you do. Uh, you know what? I should I hope have, Bob doesn't listen to I, this. Well, no, whatever. whatever. I, I should he have him on. He would listen to his own podcast. <laughs> he would. Yeah. Over and, and over. And over. I should have him on the show for yeah. people who don't know who we're talking about. Robert Cosberg is known as the pitch king. He really is. Yeah. And in the, uh, especially in the heyday of pitching, people would actually pay him to go in and pitch pitch their stuff. They still are. They still are. Yeah, that's where I run into him all the time. Wow, so he still comes into, into your yeah, company? Yeah, there's a company, Nash Entertainment, and he's sort of on hold for Nash Entertainment. He works with Bruce, and they pitch projects all the time. And they've had quite a few things set up, nothing produced, but... Bob is his guy. Bob goes in with him at all these pitches. And then they pay him a fee of some kind if it gets picked they up. They must. If it gets picked up, yeah. yeah. He, ma- he makes a deal with, look, if this gets picked up, now I own this amount. You okay. know, yeah, he gets like an EP credit on it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. in, in a, a weird coincidence, he pitched a show called uh, So You Want to Be a Superhero. Right. Right. And he, yes. he became executive producer of it. He remember, was the right? EP on it. Yeah. And then um, the guy who won that. Oh my God, that's right. He was in the. I remember seeing him that time. <laughs> he's, I was here. He's an on-the-page uh, writer, and also I would have him come in and, and act. Right. Because uh, he was also an actor. But yeah, the guy who who won the superhero thing. And I was working. Was on the page. There at the same time they were making that show, and I saw him as one of the contestants. And then I came in for something you were doing here. Yeah. Somebody had a, like a presentation or something. And he was in it. There when he was. We were acting out the pages remember that yeah oh, and there's right. there's the there superhero dude yeah. Was, yeah small world so maybe uh game of quarters with bob cosberg um let's see andy atherton wrote bring back every producer you've ever had and have a round table discussion on how things have changed in screenwriting since you started the show mm-hmm. that's a really good idea that's a great idea uh ciara daniel wrote how to create awkward silences and elastic tension would be great Elastic tension? But I would say I my answer that. would be just listen to the podcast, right? But elastic tension doesn't have a great sound to it. It does. It sounds does. like a movie by itself. Yeah, exactly. About rubber bands. Nice. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> that was an awkward silence. Attention is elastic. <laughs> elastic. <laughs> there you go, Sierra. There you go. Um, Devin McKay uh, wrote, I'd like a recap of the biggest writing revelations you've discovered during the podcast over this huge span of episodes. Mm. What have you learned over all this time? Yeah, that is a very. I'd like to know that too. I would too, and I am going to write <laughs> yeah. that down, and I'm going to have an episode as soon as I can. You must have had some epiphanies. I I've mean, over had the last so many few years, so many. These they pop into my head and then they just leave. Really? But I do. I have them all the time. I think if there's one, if there's one thing I've I've learned, and I actually share this with with my classes, is that there is no one way of getting into this industry. You know, I ask everybody what's their first big break. Yes. And it's completely random. Yep. Like, so random, like crazy, that nobody could ever replicate it. But the one thing that is consistent is that their work is ready. Yep. So I always feel like if we're on this podcast talking about craft, that's going to help everybody get work in the long run. Right, right. So that's what I've learned. It's, it's boring, but true. No, it is true, though. Robert Grant wrote, get me on to talk about writing the science fiction film. Robert Grant, I happen to know you live in the UK, so when you are out here, I would love to have you on to talk about writing the science fiction film. Uh, Todd Lejnix, <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry, Todd. Um, he said, call from past 299 episodes a best of, a list of the gems from interview guests with sound clips. And I like that. That is a good idea. I did, but I'm I'm totally not going to do it because I don't have the time. And right. But Todd and anybody out there, I'm going to put it out to you guys. If you've been listening to this show forever, and some of you have, if you have MP3s of these shows, by all means, put together a best of, edit it. If you're, if you're like somebody who likes to dabble in sound editing, just go for it. Send it to me. I would love to hear it. You know, maybe we'll make. Maybe that somebody an can just find show. their favorite bites. Can they just do that and just sort of upload those as you know, quick little sound ups? They don't I have to edit them. Together. Somebody's got three hundred hours to kill. I, mean, I really <laughs> exactly. need to get somebody on this. <laughs> I don't know. I would rather hear of some packages people put together. Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. Now, Todd also wrote uh, maybe a worst of two, and I would say that's not a good idea at all. That's that's terrible. We could call it off the page. Off the page. <laughs> off the page and and out of my mind. Um, David Cook. 
Uh, hi, David. It's also in the UK. He said, present the episode in the style of a musical. Mm. That is fantastic, David. This is going to happen. All oh. good shows try that. Buffy, Scrubs, they've all done like a musical yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. I am so on it. I am so on it. I won't put you guys through it, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, Monique Gramby wrote, um, with the success of Girls, are we already in hangover mode or will there be an influx of female-driven features and or television? We do spend... A lot of time addressing this this subject because yeah. it's you know of personal interest to me. But Monique, um, I will let you know I will not stop beating that horse. And um, has there, it already happened? There will continue to be more discussion of this. Uh, you know, it's always it's always like this little blip on on the radar. Like it's the year of the woman, and then you yeah. never see any other female driven projects forever. Or, hmm. but I do think things are getting better. I think they're getting much much better. It's always been surprising to me given the number of female executives that wield power. Yeah. In Hollywood. I mean, there's a, there's a large number. I've met with so many different executives, and I would say the majority are women. Well, that's because, you know, what? Matt Harris is coming to town. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> so right. The ladies I got my come head out. shot before that's I came. Right. <laughs> um, Harold McCormick wrote, I would like for you to critique the Pixar style of storytelling. And I just want to let you know, Harold, I'm not going to be doing that, but Carla Glacius will be coming on the show and doing that because... Uh, he has a whole class on that. Uh, Tyler Kong wrote something in another language, and I can't figure out what language it is. You've lived in a million places. Uh, All right, here we go. What do you think that is? What, what? Which one right there? Tyler Kong. What? Oh, that looks, uh, that's Greek. Oh, Tyler yeah. wrote something in Greek. Yeah. Sorry, Tyler. It's Greek to me. Even though I am Greek, can't read it. Um, Mike Anchar wrote, rewrite popular movie outlines, make a drama into a comedy, sci-fi into romance. That would be kind of fun. That'd be neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, George Speed, Speed wrote, I enjoyed your Make a Scene podcast. I think he was the only person. Uh, how about another one, Make it a Drinking Game? Lots <laughs> of, lots of um, uh, suggestions about drinking uh, on this list. Well, Matt brought a flask today. Maybe yeah, we can exactly. Do that. Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to get through this. Oh, it's such the spirit of the show. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Sharita Gopal says uh, she would like someone who produces radio plays. And I want to let you know that Suzanne Kylie, who's been a, uh, a ongoing guest over the years um, did produce a radio play that was really good so we'll have her come on and maybe some other people you ever listen to those radio plays are they back do you think oh, radio you know plays what they, are back they do because them. of podcasts yeah. the skirball does them on oh, a pretty cool. routine basis I've actually gone to see a couple and they're fantastic they play them on KPCC and KCRW they'll actually put them on on Sunday nights you can listen to them it's and kind they, of a new old way of scripted yeah and they get great actors in there like to the, read the Twilight Zone radio um, dramas is that the same kind of thing? It's kind of like that, but okay. I like these are like some classic stories. They actually did a reading of the dead, you know, the old. Uh, no, I'm gonna forget the guy's name, James uh, Joyce. You know, great short oh, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did a. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, see, I mean, this is another way also for writers to get work or yeah. to pre- present samples of their work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's let's get some people on who do that. Um, David McRae wrote, "What aspects of your life and experiences would make it into your own?" biopic and he adds in his case far too many i know david mccray i partied with him in uh poland uh, belfast it was God, yes belfast and uh, i know this is a long way from your living room in west hill know. <laughs> you know what i mean I this is a long way I'm a, I'm a lucky girl yeah you're very lucky so i would say yes he has quite a quite a biopic and then dan christensen wrote act one Two words, pool episode. Act 2A, large alcohol purchase. Act 2B, get Matt Belknap to shave off all of his hair. Act 3, in your growing frustration, you could throw in the towel, announce you are... I'm sorry, announce you are leaving, run off to the airport, only to be confronted by Pat and your children who are all dressed in Batman outfits, only to wake up screaming in bed. It was all a dream. Happy 300. Thank you, Dan. That is a terrible idea, but thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who who contributed on Facebook. Um, I would urge everybody who listens to the show like us on on Facebook because there's all kinds of things that we put out there, including if you go back to episode 200, the 200 writing tips that we put on for episode 200, those are there under the notes section. So check it out. Before we move on, I want to say thank you to some some people who donated too. Uh, Lynn Santine, she donated thirty dollars and eighty one cents. Very nice. There we go. To to Ryan's fee today. Uh, Michael Greenrod donated $25. 
And John Kelmer, who I may have thanked before, I'll just thank you again, $25. Thank you very much, you guys. Go to the on the page section, go to the podcast section on my website, and there's a donation page. That's it. It's done. It's business out of the way. It's good. Done. You got quite a following there. Oh, yeah. It's, just, I, it's impressive. You know, I don't think I have a following so much as there are uh, some really smart writers out there that really want to know about craft. Yeah. And this may be as good as they get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's interesting, the interest in screenwriting. And now it's just so international, you know? I mean, it's really sort of exploded in a way. Well, I think, you know? don't you think it's because just, you know, film is, is that universal language? Yeah. Everybody wants to tell a story and they can do it in this big Well, now they release way. films you know, in, in international sites as well. I mean, at the same time, they don't, like, release Batman only in the United States and mm -hmm. later on in China or something like that, you know? And it's everybody's, worldwide. Everybody's you know? keeping their eye on China. Like, yeah, yeah it's doing great it's here, but how's it doing in China? Right. Um, and that would be another podcast to have because there's a whole market um, that's really opened up, and um, there was a big competition mm -hmm. recently of that's asking American writers to submit for the Chinese market. So we've, we should have, we should be talking yeah, about that as well. All these things we should be doing. Let's, yeah, let's talk no. about what we are going to talk great. about today. Okay. We're going to go back in time and then work our way up to the present for a reason mm -hmm. because um, Matt Harris, um, I'm not the only person who thinks you're a good writer. In 2002, Matt won the Nickel Fellowship. Um, also, uh, currently, for your for your day job, your everyday job, you're uh, a producer right. at Nash and yes. uh, produce clip shows. And yeah, bad reality television, <laughs> as I like to call it. But you know, around those parts, they call him the big boss. Yeah. Um, I can't remember while you were uh, workshopping mm -hmm. your your um, scripts, one of which is The Starling that we're going to talk about. Did The Starling make the blacklist or was it the one? The Starling made the blacklist. The Starling made, yeah. the, made the blacklist. It did. Okay, so let's... Which let's I found out about like a... I didn't even know what the blacklist was. And I can't remember who told me about it. Somebody told me about it like two or three years later. But I was really impressed, you know. It was like, wow, really? This happened? You, you know? should be really impressed. I know, I was, I was very surprised. You if know? it was now... It would have been like they would have gotten you like a throne and, and a crown and and you know paraded I didn't even know you this around. Thing existed. Yeah, it was it was when back with the blacklist really meant something. Yeah. No, no, it was it was it was probably one of the first times that it was put out there, mm -hmm. and now it's kind of become this really huge thing. How can you submit? Does someone submit you for? The, is there some sort development of executives get together? Right. What what happens is basically it's it's. What script got the most positive reactions from studios and production companies in the form usually of coverage? Mm -hmm. So what would happen would be like, okay, well, I recommended this script, I recommended that script. So let's say that there's a script that got like 15 recommends mm -hmm. that suddenly gets on the on the blacklist. So it's right, a very yeah. legitimate way of measuring the success of a script because it's what got people's attention yeah. from the studio at that time. That should not be confused with this idea of submitting mm. for the blacklist. You can't really do that. This gotcha. is for when you're agent. more organic. Right. This yeah. is this is after your script is really legitimately in the pipeline. Right. So so you won the Nickel Fellowship in 2002, and it was really fun because you were in a writing group at the time. Yeah, your writing weirdly, group. Weirdly, my writing group, and you were actually, the person you were in competition with was also in the writing group. Oh, that's right. Do you remember that? Yes, Came I down do. to the two of you. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so that was that was a really fun year. Yes. And during that time, you workshopped another script for the Nickel Fellowship because that's part of what they're paying right. you to do. And this script was The Starling, and we got the pleasure of seeing it evolve every week in right. the writing group because you used the writing group for I that. I did, yeah. And it was a wonderful script. Sort of written episodically, you know, because we bring five pages a week. Yeah. And oftentimes on Tuesday nights, and oftentimes I would, like, close my door at work at five o'clock, I knew that was like the last final deadline. I could get five pages done before I had to be over here at seven thirty, and so I would just shut the door, 
just like unplug the phone and I would write. And I love that kind of pressure to write, like come up with a scene. It was, it, and they were beautiful pages. Everybody was like, oh yeah, you deserve all this, man. This is, this is good stuff. You <laughs> but I got you, great feedback in that yes. group too. What year know? was this? This, this was, was like so this was 2003. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, um, yeah, occasionally you get the note like, why does it have to be a starling? Like, right. didn't Scott want <laughs> to make it, it like- a squirrel or, or something like or that? Or like, <laughs> Scott was like, starling's like wimpy, make yeah. it a hawk. Right, it's right. a hawk. Right. <laughs> Starling's <laughs> my uh, wife's maiden name. Oh, is that right? And we live in an apartment complex called the Starlet. <gasps> really? This has got to yeah. be good mojo. Yeah. Yeah. Good mojo, especially when you see how this <laughs> yeah. all pans out. I was going to say where this is going. So, so, um, so then let's talk about the path of this script because okay. now it's 2013. Let's talk about what happened in these 10 years with this little script. And let's say right. it is little. It is a small It's a movie. small movie. It's a small movie. It's a, you know, I've always had a hard time pitching it. You know? I liked what, how you pitched it the other day. Well, I, somebody pitched it back to me one time as a comedy about suicide and sudden infant death syndrome. <laughs> and I said, that's great. That works for me. And a territorial bird. Because that's what I kind of wanted it to be, you know, a little bit about <laughs> just sort of um, is a flyover state location characters maybe you don't really pay that much attention to. It wasn't like he was an ad exec or a salesman, and you know, and it was just an assistant grocery store manager is the main character. Not the grocery store manager, but the assistant grocery store manager. And I just kind of wanted them to be a little bit like secondary people and um, their stories. And so, yeah, I wanted to keep it simple. And, and you know, I think that the big conceit of it that makes it so entertaining is while this man is, is figuring out the trauma in his life and trying to mm -hmm. deal with it and just, just go on with his day, he is being attacked by a right. small bird every day. A territorial And bird. it's through this relationship with the bird and also through a veterinarian who helps him figure out his problems with the bird that right. he starts to sort of work out his problems in life. So it's very relationship-driven. It's quirky. It's small. Everybody responded to it. So let's talk about mm -hmm. what happened to it next. Um, well, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah. When it got, finally, I got an agent at CAA. At first, I was at... Um, uh, Paradigm. That's who I signed with after I won the Nickel Fellowship for a Western I'd written. And um, they kind of sat on it for a while. I think I delivered to them in in August of 2003, let's say. And the agent's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Let's just hold this till uh, after Halloween because it's the horror season right now. And it'll be the award season. We'll release it out there during the award season. And the award season came and went. And he's like, well, you know, now it's uh, Sundance, so let's wait until after Sundance. We just kept on waiting, waiting, waiting. It became March. He hadn't done anything with it. I didn't think he liked it. I didn't think it was that good. I kind of got it, but I was, like, willing to go somewhere else with it. And I had a contact over at CAA. He was not an agent. He was a lawyer, in fact, friend of a friend sort of situation. And... Uh, on the same day, I called the guy at Paradigm to say, I think I need to go another way, another direction. I got a call from the lawyer at CAA saying, man, we love this script, you know. And next thing I knew, I had an agent at CAA. He pitched it hard and heavy. It became one of their more popular scripts at the time, you know. Um, and they just, I mean, it was sort of like a, a rocket to stardom, except I didn't become a star, you know what I mean? But it changed my life in a big way because... I started taking meetings, like three a day, all over town, meeting everybody, producers, directors. It just became sort of uh, an afterthought that this film was going to get made. Um, they teamed me up with, I had my choice of producers. I chose Mike DeLuca and I hooked up together. He had mm -hmm. just left uh, Amblin DreamWorks, you know, to go out on his own. And Mike's a great guy, and we were meeting directors, and we met John Lee Hancock, who had directed The Rookie and The Alamo, and so... Um, love John. He's a writer, mainly known as a writer. And so we, um, we hooked up with him and you know, I remember I had discussions with John was like, uh, he's like, well, listen, I would love to have you be able to come out while we're shooting the movie, but I'm sure you probably won't have time. You're going to be really busy on other projects, but if you do get time, please come out. And so my head was just so filled. I have to tell you, I was really, you yeah, know, yeah, busy, it yeah. is right. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like you were like on a champagne high for a very long time, but, uh, 
you know, slowly but surely, things, the reality begins to set in. And, you know, you start looking for talent. You start looking for financing. And I started learning a lot, I can tell you that much, about the business well, and how a project comes together. I want to say before we go on to that, yeah. what I saw as an outsider was this is the point where it kind of, the, the movie could have been made as a small movie, and mm-hmm. it was a choice to bring on bigger people. It was, And yeah. I'm wondering, it, from my point of view, it was this little movie with these great big people. The great big people had to go off and do great big projects. Right. They had to. And so it kind of get got left behind. There was a moment where it could have been made on a smaller scale. Yes. Can, can we talk about that? Sure, go right ahead. And because I remember you coming into the group, yep. and there was this huge, like debate over what, what should happen. So, so just tell everybody that because it was definitely watching a, a project go in, g- make a choice. Right. <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, sometimes I, uh, you learn a lot, right, by right. the choices you make. And in this process, I, I listen to people, you know, who are smarter than me uh, about, you know, which direction I should choose. But anyway, because I basically owned the project, I had a lot of choices. I got to choose the director. It wasn't like a studio bought the script for me and then made all these decisions. I still controlled it, and CAA, I really applaud them for it. They wanted it to be that way. They wanted me to have control. They even asked me if I was interested in directing at the time, which mortified me. I'd never directed anything. I didn't go to film school. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I was like, no, 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 I'd love to find a director. So anyway, um, that was the big search. Once we had a producer on board, we went searching for a director, and Tim Robbins got his hand on the script. He had just won an Academy Award for Mystic River. Is that the story you want me to tell? Yes, Okay. I do. Just yeah. only only to see the where, where the script right. went. Right, I mean, and, he had and, just won an know. Academy Award... Um, yeah, I guess this is probably April, May, and so he had won it in February or whenever Academy Awards are. And um, he had a cast already. We met with him, and he had a cast in his mind. He had Kate Winslet. He had already reached out to people. He had Christopher Walken, Kate Winslet, Susan Sarandon, uh, Bill Murray. It was it was going to be great, and he was going to make it more on that sort of indie level, though. But you know what's but, kind of interesting? I think at that time... All those people, I don't know if, you know, Bill Murray had had the second life of his career that he has well, now. Well, he had already done Rushmore, I think, you know. So he had started down that path of, like, this guy is a really interesting character. And Kate Winslet know? wasn't yet an Academy Award no, nominee. No, she like, hadn't. She'd done it, Titanic. She was still on that Yeah, it wasn't like she was, like, like you know, Indian. You know, right. it was, it was it, in a way, it was sort of like this different way to go. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know... Uh, I got very strong opposition to doing that um, from people and to choose another path. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't mince words. I mean, it was between him and it was between John Lee Hancock. And I had met with John and I felt very comfortable with John. I was giving advice that, hey, Tim's just won an Academy Award. You have no idea what's going to happen with him. You know, some big name director is going to come along and ask him to star in their next big picture and he'll drop this like a hot cake and you'll be gone. You know, you'll be off the radar. So, you know, I think you got to be careful who you listen to because <laughs> everybody has a motive and they were looking out for their clients instead of looking out for maybe my best interest or the project's best interest. But, you know, I, ultimately I make that decision, right? Right. And I remember Deluca and I talked about it and it was my choice and, and I'm glad with the choice I made. And, but I remember <laughs> him saying to me, well, we'll see at the premiere what you say. <laughs> it was pretty funny when he said that to me. But, um, I mean, eventually Mike and I parted ways. You know, I got hooked up with a different producer on the film. So, um, yeah, it just, it's one of those things. I think it really helps a project if you can sort of strike while the iron's hot and the iron was hot. And, and then I just, yeah, maybe the decisions I made weren't the best no, at the I time. No, th- I don't think it was you, but when I look back, I think... There was a choice between going small yes. with the project right. or going big with the project. And I think where, where CAA wanted you to go and John DeLuca and all that was a right. bigger way, but it's a small project. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, uh, it's interesting to watch. I mean, it's, it's you know, from, from my point yeah. of view, I can make all kinds of judgments or whatever. But it, for, for writers out there who have small projects, knowing sort of what the scope of, is, of it is, mm-hmm. you know, because I think it's, it's the the smallness of it has been the thing that always gets it kind of right. kind of 
put aside till the next day, even though everybody loves it. So John Lee Hancock was on it for a while, mm-hmm. and um, you were talking about the stuff that you were learning about about uh, yeah. the industry. Of well, you know, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that could have helped me a lot is to learn that it's okay to say no, mm. you know? Um, I remember being really wowed at some of these meetings we had where it was me and the director and the producers and just room full of agents sort of presenting you these packages of headshots. I'm talking like from George Clooney to Brad Pitt, all these big names and telling you why they would be the great, you know, the the right person for this role, that sort of thing. And so many times I was like looking at these characters and thinking they were just completely wrong, these actors, I mean, for these characters. And I just, but I got kind of swept up in it and I didn't want to say no. You know, I was like, who am I to say no? I'll just go with the flow. And with this is what these guys want. This is what we'll do. You know, they want to take it to studios and get it set up this way. But I always all along saw it as a very small movie, you know, um, and it kind of got out of my hands in that sense. And so when I say, I wish I would learn to say no, it's not like saying no so much, just being more forceful with what I wanted and what I saw, you know? Even some of the changes I was asked to make at some points along the way to take some of the edginess out of some of the character, particularly the female lead in this, I reluctantly did. I didn't want to do that Mm -hmm. necessarily. Um, But they felt it made it more palatable to a broader audience and... uh, that would be a tough sell without these changes. Um, so that was tough for me, you know? But I didn't say no. I said, okay. I thought this is the way you played the game. And that's the biggest thing. I did not know how to play the game at all. You know, every time I got offered any kind of project to, like, uh, adapt a book, adapt an article, adapt anything, they would send me books. I was reading, you know, ferociously for so long. I was just reading everything and saying, yes, 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 I'd like to make a pitch. And so you're trying to drum up these pitches, and now am I going to take this Atlantic article for Paramount and turn it into a pitch, you know? And my agent finally told me one time, he's like, you know what? It's okay to say no, that you're not interested. But I thought I needed to say yes to everything because I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to make it. Right. I wanted to get hired. And and I got some pretty close shots. I remember it was between me and the guy who wrote uh, We Are Marshall on one project. We were both, you know, winnowed down from all the pitches on this one project. Um, and I think it was a Todd... Uh, Phillips wanted to direct this book. Um, but anyway, he got that. So I got really close, you know. I can actually remember the Warner Brothers executive. I could tell she was nodding off during my pitch. <laughs> I am the worst <laughs> pitcher. And there's, a, there's an art to pitching, too. Mm-hmm. And I think keep things succinct. I think you really want people to ask you questions, mm-hmm. you know, more than you just overwhelm them with information. You know, give enough that you sort of um, make it intriguing you know, entice them a little bit. Make them part of the conversation. Yeah, make them part of the conversation. That's the way to go. You know, I'm sure Bob Cosberg can illuminate more than I can. I'm sure he'll get on this show and yeah. be like, who are you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know I, I probably should have talked to Bob Cosberg at some point. But, <laughs> you know, they stick in these rooms. I mean, they were setting me up with so many general meetings. And I remember it was like, I'd probably done like four months of general meetings before somebody, I don't remember how I heard it, said, well, when you go to a general meeting, you should always have like three ideas in your pocket that you really, I'm like, Really? I didn't know that. I just went in to meet these people and just sit around and talk. That's what I ended up doing. And I met some really great people, but I I was like never bringing any ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know that I was supposed to, you know. Sometimes they would ask you, so what are you working on now, you know. And I'd I'd just kind of be, oh, vague about something. Ah, you know, I'm working on a little action picture, you know, whatever. I mean, it was just, it was, I didn't. That could have worked out, though. Ooh, that guy's elusive. (laughs) Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And when the agent told me to say no, he said, you know, I remember him saying, uh, it's okay to create some mystery, you mm-hmm. know? Make people want to, like, find something that excites you rather than saying, yes, everything excites me. And I was saying yes is some really <clears throat> off-the-path stuff for me, mm-hmm. you know? Stuff that I wouldn't be doing. Now, somewhere along the way, um, uh, Gil Netter came along, too. <clears throat> right. And Gil Netter uh, produced... Recent, most recently, Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Um, right. So Gil Netter was also in, intri- interested in the project. Um, and all of these people, we should say, stayed interested. They just had to do more commercial projects. Right. It was never a, no, we're off. We can't work with you. Nah. It was, yeah, I'll be right back. Right. So here's this, this, this little project that's been waiting. Right. Well, first, there's a big difference because I think there's a lot of people, producers out there who want to work. 
Mm-hmm. And that means doing some legwork. That means getting out there and meeting with talent, meeting with agents, get you know interest in the script, meeting with financiers. I think there's a lot of producers out there who want it to come to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and Gil is one of these guys, when I first met with him, he's a legitimate producer. He makes a movie a year. A lot of people call themselves producers, but Gil makes a movie. If you look at an IMDb, the guy's always making movies. He's mm-hmm. a genuine producer. So he and John Lee Hancock had made The Blind Side together. And they had a really good working relationship, and Gil had asked John, so what do you want to do? What, what's the next thing you really want to do? And John gave him the starling, and he says, I've really been trying to get this made. And Gil says, I love this script. You know, is there room for me on it? And so we met. It was perfect, you know, uh, match, I thought. And so we've been working with Gil since then. So that brings us, I think up to this this right. conversation you and I had <laughs> while our kids were playing in the pool right. last summer. Yeah, it was then, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and at this day. point, yes, the interest was still there, but again, the, the project was still kind of waiting. It was waiting for the attention that it deserved. Right. You know, it's, it's a big chicken-in-the-egg type of thing with a, with a script like this because... Now, I should say, too, Gil and John, they're very much studio guys. I mean, John's just finished making that movie right now at Disney about the making of Mary Poppins. You know, yeah. With Helen Mirren and, and Tom... Um, Hanks. Hanks, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's making a big movie. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of his M.O. He makes big, big movies. And he rewrites big, big movies. Um, and Gil, obviously, you know, with The Life of Pi and some other big features. You know, so they definitely have a... a a desire to do it on that sort of scale, you know? Um, and it's hard to do this kind of film on that scale, you know? Or at least get the interest and get the money, the backing to do that. And so when I say it's a chicken and the egg thing, we've always needed to get talent. And a lot of times to get talent, you have to be able to back the offers, you know, to attachments. And um, so we were, you know, while they're still working and making a living and making movies, they have been trying to, you know, meet with different talent, meet with different financiers to try and, you know, keep this thing alive. But it requires some legwork, you know, and it's tough when you have to go to Taiwan for four months with Ang Lee and go make, you know, uh, Life of Pi. It's very difficult. Plus, you know, not to mention the amount of time they spend in marketing and, and press, you know, working closer towards release. That's, that's a big deal. As so, you'll learn. As I'll learn, perhaps, because this is, so, so we're, we're at the pool, and yeah. we're watching Oh, our I'm kids sorry, play. did I forget the pool story? Uh, so we started talking about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and you're like, why? You had mentioned to me, and I thought it was really interesting, somebody you had talked to had said that actors really want to work with writer-directors. Right. Because they feel like, what is it? I mean, is it because well, of more ownership of the project? Or? It, kind of, it kind of happened, that conversation happened after the pool. Yeah. At the pool... Basically, I was hearing all this, and you know, it's been ten years of me loving this project and hanging out with Matt. And I finally went, "Well, I'll I'll produce it. I'm right. going to produce it." Right. And Matt, who must have been high, goes, "Oh, okay, that's a really good, good idea. You, you, you should produce it." And I went, "Okay, yeah, I will. I will." And that yeah. was that was the end of that. Right. But so every couple of months, Matt would go, "Hey, you going to produce this?" And I'd be like. Really? Oh, oh, you know, and I'd have these conversations right. with people about like, if I was going to produce a movie, what would I do? Like, I have no right. idea about producing, like none. Well, which is surprising to me. I think you, see, you and I have this argument all the time, right? Every week we talk about, I think you know a lot more than you realize. You give yourself credit for I'm just telling you, I mean, I'm just not to pump up Pilar, but I mean, I just think you have fantastic taste. I think you have a tremendous ability to analyze and correct things in story so that's huge right there i mean i don't think a lot of producers have that quality uh i think they're very good at relationships you know and making parts come together but that's a great skill that you have so it makes sense to me that you would want to produce well i want to i do want to produce this movie because i want to protect the script too right so i had a conversation with um carrie esta albert who produced truth about cats and dogs i know her Mm -hmm. and should have her on the show sometime (laughs) anyway so i just said I just said, uh, she said, well, as a producer, she goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to protect the script. I want to make sure that nobody else gets their hands on it as far as changes go anymore other than me or Matt. You know, I'm protecting this story. And she said, well, that's too bad because once a director comes along, it's their story. Right. And she said, you know, if you're really, really gung-ho about this, you should have the writer direct it because 
the other good part of that is that actors really want to do a good job for a script that they love. And this is the kind of script that people love. So that means they also will work for less money. Yeah. So I immediately called up Matt and I said, you should direct it. And I thought I'd get a fight. And he went, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I was really happy right. about. Yeah, you know, I mean, because it was, I mean, look, I've, I've had a great working sort of relationship with John Lee Hancock, so I was sort of hesitant about that. But I mean, like I said, John's, you know, been, you know, you can't turn down some of the offers he's gotten, you know, and so it's not like he's ever turned his back on the Starling. It's just that, you know, he's had to take what comes next. And so talking to him, he was very happy to step aside and do whatever you know he could to help it get made. He was really excited about when I told him. I said, "I think I'm going to direct it." He was thrilled, you know. So it's and, a great thing, and it's a great mentor to have. Oh, he's tremendous. Keep it, and, yeah. you know, um, and it made me even more excited about it because I don't want to be a producer who's fighting with somebody yeah. over the script. I want everybody to understand the vision of the script, yeah. and as the director, you would. Um, then it became well. Okay, we can. I can call myself a producer, but what about these huge guys that said that they're interested? Where are right. they at? So finally, we all got up our nerve, right? Yeah. And Matt reached out and right. said, "Hey, we're thinking of doing it this way. Are you? Would you still be involved?" And fortunately, they yeah. said enthusiastically, yes. 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 So John Lee Hancock and Gil Netter. Right. We're trying to figure out. In what form right, right. now? Right, that's where we're at right now. Yes, and uh, so it'll be... It's going to require some meetings. We're going to have right. to go down, meet Gil, his Venice office, which you're going to love, by the way. I He's just, got one of the coolest offices. That guy collects the craziest sort of Caribbean art you've ever seen, just, and it's all over the place. Make sure I don't talk too much. Yeah, you have to. No, that's a deal. I'm bad yeah. in meetings. Yeah. I'm not, no, you'll love this guy. Uh, such a nice guy. So, <laughs> I mean, of course, I, I teach I teach classes right. about meetings, but it doesn't, <laughs> right. doesn't mean I'm, right. I'm right. good at that. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to do that. We also... From what I've learned mm -hmm. from from doing these podcasts, immediately talk to a lawyer. Yeah, and that was really interesting. That we we talked to uh, Gano Lemoyne, who mm -hmm. has been on this show. Um, Very he, bright guy, by the way. Really bright, and he is an entertainment attorney who specializes in independent film and mm -hmm. in, in working with with writers and filmmakers, and he told us right up front, okay, this is what you're gonna need to get started. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that he said, for the two of us, it needed to be an LLC. You need to be a production company right. in order to, to protect yes. the project, but also to protect your interests and also protect your family. Yeah. You don't want right. all this. I thought that was a very interesting yes. discussion. Yeah. Yep. How you don't want... Uh, what do you say? Like you're, you've rigged a light and it falls down and hits a pedestrian in the head and they sue you, they sue the everybody on the project, you know, without the protection of an LLC. They can go after your homes, they can go after everything. Yeah. So so that's something that we're gonna yeah. do is okay, now it's a production company. Right. And this we gotta is come why, up with a good name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the page productions. There you didn't you know go. about right. that? <laughs> Uh, Ryan Bud's films. Hear <laughs> <laughs> about that? Throw that one out there. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm starting to see in these discussions how there are all these lineups of producers' names, right? So yeah. it would be a Matt Harris film. You're right, writer director, and on the page production. That's so pretentious. Uh, I would so Netter. drop that. I'm telling you right now. No, I think that is such be. bullshit. Can I cuss on this it thing? Has, <laughs> you know, yeah, sort of. Because I've hated that. Do you hate that? <laughs> I freaking hate it. Dude, you wrote you and and you're. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it's just like you. You see how things come together. Everybody <laughs> participates. I say this now. Have me back on 400 when I say they've oh. taken my film away from me. It's, it's, it was going to be a Matt Harris That's film, right. and then it was a Ryan Bugs film. <laughs> right. That young whippersnapper. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I want to take credit for it. So, oh, yeah. yes. So, so, and we're also we just talked to a co-producer, right? Um, Kim Zubik of. Zubik Film, yeah. who has also been a co-producer with um, Mike Tolan and um, and other producers, and was and in the room as this script was being written on an episodic basis she every week. Was <laughs> in that so group? Crazy! I love that idea that we could all three to get together and do this, though, because Kim's always been a huge fan of the script. You yes. know, always loved it, and she's such a bright girl, woman, excuse me, and producer that it would just be awesome to have her on board. At the ages that both Kim and I are, you can call us girls. Yeah, like just that, like okay. really happy She's about right. that. Yeah, we girls. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <A> gal. <laughs> but yeah, and she's actually uh, producing a movie right now um, called The Zookeeper 
the zookeeper wife, the zookeeper's wife, yeah. wife, that is going to film in Poland and has Jessica Chastain attached as the lead. So she is, she is. Hint, hint, Kim. Pass yeah. the script along. That's <laughs> right. the way it works. No kidding. <laughs> I'm Jessica not kidding Chastain either. would be awesome. Yes. Well, when this. we were doing, uh, Gil produced uh, Water for Elephants. And while he was doing that, he slipped the script of the Starling to Reese Witherspoon. Oh. So, I mean, there's a lot of that that happens. Absolutely. Well, how, how do you think Gil got on board? It was John gave him the script. That's how we got Gil. I, so that happens all the time. This is so much fun. Yeah. Um, also, in talking to Kim, you know, we're talking about casting. Mm-hmm. And she was basically saying you got to do sort of a top-down approach. Yeah. So we've got to sort of hit, like, dream person first. Yep. And then start sliding it down. You down. don't give it to tons of people at one right, time. Right. Which was So there's all these little things that I'm learning, that yeah. you're learning. And I'm sorry I'm learning on the Starling. Yeah. But um, wouldn't it be cool? Yeah, it would be cool. cool. It would be cool if after all this time, we actually make this thing. You know what? I am. I you told me when we talked at the pool, okay, or whenever we talked about it afterwards, (laughs) it was going to be spring of next year. Yeah, I said spring 2014. I was buying Coachella tickets this week. (laughs) Right, they came on sale yesterday, and I was going to hit the button to buy them. I was like. You know what? I'm going to be making a movie. I canceled. <laughs> so there you go. Don't, well, I don't screw up. My, okay, I won't, I, won't, I won't screw it up. I won't screw it up. Although when I talked to Kim, she was like, yeah, maybe spring of 2015. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is she backed up? She No, no. She was just saying the way that this oh, process Oh, I know. Goes, yeah, you can't set the date. It's yeah, a, it sets a date for you. It, That's when somebody's available for six weeks and boom, you do it then. But or three I, weeks. I know? would say we are like heavily in pre-production by mm-hmm. then. Like we have everything all lined up casting, Let's see how it goes. financing, you know. You know, I love the casting process, and I actually think it would be really interesting. I'd like to get to that next level. I'd really like to get some attachments. We had a lot of people who were interested. Yeah. Very interested. Toby McGuire was very interested one time, but he had to run off to Australia and go shoot Jay Gadsby, or Great Gadsby, and that was a while ago, you know? Hmm. That was a while ago. He'd be perfect now. Yeah. Because now he also comes with a little more maturity, mm-hmm. but whereas before I would have said, you know... I don't want. I don't, yeah, no. Kid, they, they were big on him for a while. They were really big when the f- thing first came out. Matt Damon was another name they just really, really wanted. There's some other interesting characters. I mean, actors I that like I would to like to throw at to you meet personally with all of these people. Yes, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's funny. You know, I mean, this is where other people's interpretation of the script is really helpful. Because I remember there were a couple times in meetings like John. I thought really nailed. He's like, you have to believe that this person would be an assistant grocery store manager in a small Midwestern town. Why would they still be doing this? So it kind of calls to mind less sort of leading man types. I guess you know? John Hamm is out. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to picture John Hamm being assistant <laughs> grocery store manager unless he was, you know. You know who pops in my head ridiculous. for some reason? Um, Pat Oswalt. Is that working? Oh, you know my what? God. We, Boom. A, That's yeah. what one of the conversations was because you. Yeah, because I love Pat Oswalt, and I think he's an incredible actor. And we were thinking of him, actually. I was thinking of him for this other role. Yeah. Um, uh, you had me watch that film. Yes. Uh, which, but the fan, right? right. Big fan. Big yeah. fan. Yeah. Big fan was great. Mm. And I think he it was, was very weirdly marketed. Like it was a comedy oh, yeah. and it's really a very dark drama. Oh, sure. And, uh, and yeah, he just showed amazing acting I was jobs. blown away. I have to be honest with you. I, I really did not know he could do that. I mm. love the idea, Ryan, actually, of using comedians mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. this because whenever I see an independent film and there's a comic actor who's taking a dramatic turn, it immediately... I just love it because yeah. it just feels like all that quirkiness sort of mm-hmm. pu- bubbles up, and it doesn't feel um, heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got all these all these possibilities. The reason this is on episode three hundred was because after three hundred podcasts, I wanted to share with the listening audience what might be a new chapter for me. I think um, it's going to be, I hope it is. I hope you know? so too. I, you know, I love, I'm still, you know, going to be teaching my ass off because that really is the thing I love more yeah. than anything. Um, and nothing's going to change it on the page. Still going to have the podcast and consulting and all that, but it might be also cool to add producing a movie to all this. Yeah. So, um, I will be filling everybody in on the stages of this as it gets bigger and bigger. And if I'm the person who just 
completely kills this thing, I'll be filling yeah. you in on that too. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> if I just, Get in line. If I just, right. But Matt, I wanted to thank you so much yeah. for being here. Please, thank you. I hope I didn't get off course. No, you were awesome. And yeah. so many podcasts later, I mean, yes, my favorite writer, Matt Harris. Oh, you're so, so sweet. Thank you, thank you very much. My favorite instructor. <laughs> I tell everybody my favorite Pilar tip. I still use it what? all the time. What? Is uh, whenever I'm stuck on anything, whether it's dialogue, it's a scene or a bigger act turn, whatever it is, I stop, I give myself permission to suck, and I write down 10 ideas of what it could be. And it doesn't matter, bad or good. I just allow myself to brainstorm. It's like you've give, you give yourself that permission, just step aside, it doesn't matter, because you're sort of like boxed in by this decision, this choice that you're going to make, this creative choice that's really going to make a big difference in the project, and suddenly you just step back, okay, and usually I never even get to 10. I usually get to like 4 or 5, and I go, that's it, and then I keep going. And it's great. It's unlocked a lot. So thank you. Thank you. That makes me happy. Yeah. If anybody wants to take an on the page class, um, go to onthepage.tv. I will be in Chicago and in New York at the end of June with Lee Jessup. In this case, we're talking a career class. She's going to be talking about all of the the do's and don'ts for how to get work in the industry. And I'm going to walk you through a pitch and how to have a good meeting. <laughs> good. I should take that. <laughs> maybe I should, uh, I should take a couple oh, of I notes from it because, uh, yeah, that doesn't mean I'm not scared to death myself. Yeah. Um, also, uh, there will be a craft class here. There will be, um, a rewrite techniques, uh, one night class that will be in June as well here at the studio in LA. So go to on the page.tv and check that out. And, uh, Ryan is off to Vegas right after this podcast. Right after uh, this, hitting the road uh, tonight, doing a guest spot at Bally's. I'm just so proud of you. It's amazing. There's so many, so many comedians that, you know, that's that's their dream, and you've accomplished that in like three months. So that's just great. Oh, thanks yeah. very much. Don't and, suck. Uh, I'll yeah, try not to suck. Yeah, really, don't screw it up, man. <laughs> um, also, people can follow you where? At Ryan Buds, R-Y-A-N-B-U-D-D-S. And uh, anybody in the Burbank area, I've started doing shows in my apartment complex's courtyard. Wait, where, where's and, this? Uh, other really? than Starlet. This is the Starlet. Wait, Al- where is Olive that? Olive Pass across oh, from dude, Warner that's Brothers right. Studios. Okay, that's so funny. I was thinking, yeah. oh, that's not the place, but it is Yeah, the it is the place. Oh, yeah. that's terrific. You're doing and, uh, shows in your in your apartment complex yeah, courtyard? outdoors uh, once a month on Saturdays, and the first one was this past month. It was great. It couldn't have gone better. What kind of shows? Like a comedy show. Like uh, we built a little stage and lights and all the neighbors that come out and watch awesome. it. That is awesome. I it's am so coming to that. Yeah. on the next one, I'm going to try and get Maria Bamford to do it. Oh my gosh, she would be great. Yeah, so it's called Stand Up Starlet. You are so going to get evicted, but until you <laughs> yeah. do... No, this is the cool part. My landlord, I ran the idea past him, he loved it. He brought his family, they all watched the show. He had like the best time. Okay, like, yeah, let me know next that time. When is the next time <laughs> you're doing it? Yeah. Uh, the next show will be July 27th, Saturday, awesome. July I'll go, 27th. we should go. Do you want to go? Should, yeah, yeah, absolutely, let's I'll do go. that. Okay. It's really fun uh, community. I love that. These friends of mine used to do a show out of the garage. It was called Carmen, Comedy Car Hole over <laughs> on the west side. <laughs> yeah. And it drew a huge crowd. I yeah. mean, I mean, Daniel Tosh got up one night. He sure. showed up. And people would just get a keg of beer every weekend and they would do this thing. It was yeah. terrific. But you know, you got you to gotta make things happen. Yeah, that's what I mean. You do. And and that's terrific. So episode 300 is about making things happen. We hope that you're all doing the same. And uh, so get to work um, and have a good writing week.